fellow fiends. Welcome to another terrifying and delectable episode of Nightmare on Film Street. The horror podcast with zero credibility, but all of the blood, ghouls, and gore. Your puny heart can handle. <laughs> Let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm Kim. I'm John. Happy Christmas! Merry Krampus. Merry Krampus. Happy holidays. Yeah, so it's Christmas time. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, hopefully you have some time off. Hopefully you're eating lots of food. Uh, what, else, what else do you do? Uh, you see your family. Uh, and then you eat more food. And then you drink some alcoholic beverages sometimes. Maybe binge a few horror movies. And then you watch some horror movies. Yeah, I want to see Santa slashing it up. I want to well, see that big jolly jerk crossing some names off the naughty list. Don't call him a jerk. Well, I mean, once he starts killing people, he's not a nice guy. Oh, well, I guess if that's the Santa that you pray to. <laughs> now, it's the horrors before Christmas this week on Nightmare on Film Street. We are celebrating the most festive time of the year, the only way we know how. We are talking about Christmas Evil from what year, John? 1980. And from other year? 1984. We're talking Silent Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night is probably everybody's go-to when it comes to 80s Christmas horror slasher stuff. Christmas Evil was a hidden gem to us until this year. But holy shit, guys, if you have not seen this movie, it's incredible. It is now one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time, horror or not. And there are a lot of shitty Christmas movies that I have to watch this year. Just out of, it, I wouldn't even call it nostalgia. It's just Christmas obligation. Yeah, nobody, uh, nobody's them. forcing you to watch I'm Deck forcing. the Halls. I am forcing me. But you sure are watching. Uh, and then I force you. Uh, and yeah. everyone's festively upset. <laughs> I mean, Dane DeVito and Matthew Broderick duking it out over some Christmas lights. That's a, woo, that's a good one. In addition to making everyone watch terrible Christmas movies, I also run around and throw cranberries in everybody's cup because you can't have a cup without cranberries at Christmas. Yeah, there's no reason for these cranberries, guys. I gotta... I freeze them. They're an ice substitute. They do not water down your drink. It uh, is genius. I don't know how much it really costs me cranberries. to make ice cubes at home, but it With sure does cost me That's $5 really cute, to buy a bag That's of cranberries. That's so festive. Okay. <laughs> but before we get into this week's uh, horror-y, Christmassy movies, we have a couple quick shout-outs. We wanted to shout-out our Patreon fiends. That's right. I want to say a Merry Krampus, Happy Horror Days, especially to Che, Darlene, Shay, who I think is probably like doppelganger to Che, I think, uh, and and of course, Megan. I'm going to let you four mingle amongst yourselves and figure out who's on the naughty list and who's on the nice list, but I mean, if you team your efforts together, I think you can take down that Santa Claus. I think you can wrap him up in that bag, bring him down to Oogie Boogie's place and show him what's what. And maybe you'll get a snake and spider stew, which is everybody's looking for around holidays. Keep Who you warm. Who about snake and spider stew? Is that's the lock, block, and shock? Shock, block, and lock? Yeah, they chalk, lock, and barrel. Oh, shit. Yeah. Catherine O'Hara and Catherine O'Hara and Paul <laughs> Rubens 
Congratulations, John. Or is Danny Elfman one of those, those characters? I don't know. Either way, there's four of you. That's one more than we ever had of that nasty little teeny trio. Um, I think you could take him down. I think this is the year. You could claim that mantle, become your own Santa Claus, and give it uh, horror DVDs, I guess. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for your support. If you want to support the show on Patreon, uh, you're going to get some fun rewards and returns, bonus episodes, back content, merch, and all kinds of swag. Speaking of Patreon, we also have our first ever live stream that we're doing over the holidays. It starts, uh, what, is, what day is today? The 20th? It yep. is in two days from release. So Saturday, the 22nd of this month at 9 p.m. Eastern. You're going to have to figure out whatever that is in your timeline. Um, Time zone. Yep. <laughs> Social media brain just taking over. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, we're going to he- uh, we're gonna be on the Patreon page live, hopefully with video and chat. We're going to figure it out. It's going to be great. It's going to go smoothly. We are going to play some horror trivia, chat about horror movies and Christmas movies or whatever's on our mind. Uh, it should be fun. Yeah, we'll probably share a nice little Christmas punch recipe because surely to God I'll be having a, a glass or two of it. As you could probably assume, lots of cranberries. It's required. <laughs> Also, of course, in that time, we'll be able to talk with you guys about our top picks of 2018 uh, right before our bonus episode's going to drop next week in your feed. Yeah, Kim and I have both individually picked our 10 favorites of the year with some honorable mentions. It's still a secret, though. Have not shared with each other what's what. Nope. Don't know what Kim's favorite is. Probably... If I had to guess. No guessing. Okay. You're going to have to wait. All right. So we're going to drop that at some point next week as a nice big surprise in between Christmas and New Year's. A little present from us to you. And we will also be doing like a written out posty thing. Yeah. Uh, for each so you can hit all the reviews that are on the website for those movies. Uh, and it's going to be fun. I think there's going to be a lot this year. This is a really interesting year for horror and genre film. And, and some movies to look forward to as well. Like there are, there are some movies I know on my list that were supposed to come out this year that have been pushed back a little bit into 2019. So I think that's a spoiler. It might be a I little bit of a spoiler, but I'm list. just saying, guys, uh, it's not just about saying uh, I like the same movies as you. It's about saying, hey, there's some good movies coming your way and you should keep an eye out for them. But we will not keep you. We are going to talk about some horror Christmas movies. Don't forget the Patreon live stream is December 22nd at 9 p.m. Eastern. Something, something, something other time zones. So basically, uh, after the very Joe Bob Christmas, have a quick little nap. Uh, make yourself a sandwich, a little snack, uh, and then head over to patreon.com slash Street and come chat with us about your favorite movies of the year. Don't forget your cranberries. Ugh. All right, let's get into the movies. Let's talk about... Christmas Evil from 1980. This Christmas, Santa's going to make everyone happy. The grown-ups. And the kids. Christmas Evil. The non-believers. And the screamers. And this Christmas... You better believe in Santa, or he'll slay you. Merry Christmas, Frank. Christmas Evil, the night he dropped in. 
directed by Lewis Jackson, Christmas Evil is currently sitting at a 5.3 out of 10 on IMDb, 83% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 3.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd. How does it have an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, there's, <laughs> funny story, there's five reviews from critics, and two of them are from the same critic. <laughs> yeah, because isn't the audience rating like 30%, which is also criminal? Both of those ratings oh, yeah. are criminal. <laughs> no, I mean, like, the critic one's not that bad, right? It, no, I agree, it's 80% good, but yeah. from a critic perspective, no. None of these reviews were from the time that it came out. Which is, you know, and the, like the crazy thing, when I look on IMDb to see what people thought of this movie, I'm not 100% sure if it's only pulling from newer releases, like reviews of the Vinegar Syndrome DVD or the Synapse DVD, but it's mostly favorable. I am also mostly favorable. Yeah, I don't necessarily know if that was the opinion back in 1980, though. Because it's kind of a sleazy movie. But it's actually not that sleazy. It's pretty fucking good. I don't mean to bury the lead too much here, but I love this goddamn movie. We've definitely seen this movie before, though, right? I am totally familiar with the first half of the film, but I know that we hadn't seen the ending prior to. Definitely not. Yeah, because my my ride with this movie was really interesting. For the first half, I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I was like, uh... And then it ended, and then it ended in a particular way that I literally was in, like, slow clap. Just in sheer awe of what was happening. I was just like, oh, no, they didn't. Right. This is this is where exploitation gets it all right. Oh, man, that was the ending of my wildest dreams. And they did it. I don't know if we should even talk about it. I honestly think that's one thing we should leave out. I know we usually approach these head-to-heads from the perspective that you've seen these movies before, but... Christmas Evil has never been on my radar. And if it hasn't been on yours, I want you to see this movie before we talk about the ending. Yeah, you can find it. It's available on Christmas sales. It also might be online. Um, We're in Canada, so we don't like provide that information for you because it's normally (laughs) not on Canadian internet (laughs) and we normally have to buy it. We'll get to it, though. We'll talk about the ending. If that's something that you want to keep like spoiler free, go ahead and skip it when we get to it. But fuck, I love this movie. So we've definitely seen this movie before uh, because the beginning of this movie is a little perverse, right? Yeah, but it's it's weird kind of perverse. It's like Christmas card perverse. It's like Coca-Cola Santa with like a, gar- a girl with a garter leg. That's as kind of yeah, um, saucy as it gets. <laughs> it, it, it's not too crazy. It's not super over the top. It's like something you Norman Rockwell's daughter would find in his bottom drawer. Just like a little doodle he was doing in his spare time that Who's he didn't Norman want. Rockwell? You don't know who... Okay, every piece of Americana that defines an older generation is Norman Rockwell. Like, didn't your grandparents ever have, like, plates with, like, scenery painted on them? Like, an old man fishing with his grandson or somebody at a barbershop? Like, it was slightly comedic, but also just, like, harken back to a simpler time. No. You know nothing of what I'm talking about, do I you? I have no idea. Norman Rockwell looks like... Uh, a world where Coca-Cola was considered a god. Did he do the Coca-Cola stuff? I'm not 100% sure, but I'm, I'm almost... I, I would imagine they hired him at least once or twice. Because those I could get. Pull your phone out right now while we're recording. And no. just Google the words Norman Rockwell. I know the term, but like when people say like, oh, it's a Norman Rockwell. I just thought that meant it was like worth a lot of money. <laughs> 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 you know, like they normally say like, oh, that's a Monet. Like, oh, that's definitely worth a lot of money. Well, I mean, I actually don't know if Norman Rockwell, 
I don't think there's any originals out there. Like, I think it's all, like, ad stuff. Like, I think all of his stuff is... He's just, like, a really well-known ad guy. Well, we all learned a thing. All yeah. of us, because none of us knew what that was. Yeah, and if he wrote a uh, a sex romp or painted a, a tableau with Santa going down on Mrs. Claus, that's exactly what you get. really. Well, not really, he's I guess. Like sniffing her... That's okay. Leg crust. How is what you're saying better than what I said? It's more like a vignette, though. It's like a pinup thing, if anything. Like if you were to paint that, it could be a pinup poster. There's little nothing. Bit. I don't know. They're doing it way too long because they obviously didn't want to do any like full out hardcore nudity or anything in that scene. So they're just like standing there sighing and like he's like petting her leg. But that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> For some context, these kids have stayed up late hiding behind the banisters to watch Santa Claus come down through the chimney and leave them presents. Let's, hang on, hang on. Let's rewind for a second. You okay? We're going to go from 14 seconds into the movie back to zero. I want to talk about their Christmas tradition. Now, families have traditions. How do we know it's a tradition? They're what if this is the different. one time they did it? Santa it was expecting it. Santa knew it was there. That's true. I, you know what? I think you're right. I think the kids were like a little too old for this because there's a moment where mom says, see, I told you he'd be happy to see you remembered him. Yeah. And they leave out fucking water and bread. <laughs> not instead of milk and cookies. Yeah. Santa's watching his weight, but not that much. <laughs> it's like water and bread. Like Santa's starving to death. <laughs> what if they like buttered that bread and put a little bit of like cinnamon sugar on it? That's Why okay. not make fucking cookies? Maybe cookies don't look like cookies on film. Maybe you need to use bread. They look like bread. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he was just like slurping down that water all hearty. And you're just like, "Mm." is that not, is milk and cookies not like a universal thing? I think it, well. Not universal. Like a North American thing. The traditions are so muddled at this day and age because like everybody in the world is on the internet. So like all of our individual traditions have just been thrown into a pot and we're like, it's all Halloween now. Yeah. I mean, by 2018, it should really just be like, yo, Santa's got a lot of work to do tonight. Leave him some fucking protein. <laughs> you leave him like a shake. <laughs> just like a few energy drinks. A cliff bar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what he needs. And carrots for the reindeer. Yeah. iPads for the reindeer. <laughs> So after the kids have gone to bed, one of them sneaks back downstairs. I guess he hears His brother said Santa's not real. And he's like, yes, he is. And I think he's just going to confirm that there are indeed presents and they saw him deliver the presents. But then he hears like sighing. So he (laughs) follows the sighs. Yeah. And he sees mom and dad fooling around. Dad's still in the Santa outfit. Full, full commitment on that Santa outfit. Also, I have to um, give dad some props for his whatever he... uh, MacGyvered to get that old feet lifting up through the chimney thing. Oh, he yeah, out, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. followed did the whoop up the chimney he rose. Yeah, he dropped down, he picked out. And then there were like there was definitely audio in the outside of the house. Like they heard a ho ho ho, they heard reindeer, they heard bells. Did he get the neighbor to help him with this? This is so much effort. Yeah. They really love their kids. Enough to <laughs> fuck them up for the rest of their lives. <laughs> so he, what this tells me though is that dad hung out inside the chimney. Like the, the, the old- <laughs> The only way this is possible is that he he crawled up in the chimney and somehow managed to stay clean. Yeah, but hung out there for a little bit. It didn't have to be that long though, because his family all apparated upstairs with that quick cut. Let's not talk about that quick cut. <laughs> that makes no sense. Yeah, if it, you don't really have to pay too close attention, but if you're watching, the family disappears they while we're still staring at the. <laughs> it just cuts to an empty stairwell. 
Mm. Well, what are you going to do? Technology, technology was limited. I love that we don't fix that for a Blu-ray release. Like, no, 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 no. We got to see it how it was when it came to the theater on 82nd Street. 42nd Street? I think it's just confusing to your mind because they have the audio of the boys in the room over top. I think it's supposed to be like a J-cut, but... Yeah, because the audio is supposed to be coming in before we move away, I think yeah, is the idea. Yeah, I think what they should have done is they should have faded out from that scene and faded in somewhere for somewhere else, but they didn't. I obviously, they obviously didn't have the footage. Yeah. They're like, man, we'll cut, and people will know it's later. Yeah. Everybody's smoking cigarettes <laughs> in the theater. They won't see. Oh, no. We knew. Well, we totally knew. So he runs upstairs, and like such is his grief that he shatters a snow globe, and he cuts his palm on it. And like he, he makes a blood pact with Satan himself. Pretty well, right? Like, I mean, it makes for some cool imagery, but for no reason. He he picks up this shard of glass, cuts his palm open, and a big old glob of blood just splatters on top of that nice, white, but, so, beautiful roof. In an interesting turn of events, though, we cut to, like, 30 years later, and he fucking loves Christmas. <laughs> Like, is about Christmas. He's, he's got a thing with Christmas, yeah. Like, oh, he's, no, it's fine. He's, he's okay. He's completely normal. Oh, that's a lot of dolls. And does that say 55 days till Christmas? Which I I also will say, we spend a lot of time trying to terrible head math. Are you trying to tell me that I'm right on this? I think it's Halloween. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. 55 but, days to Christmas. This guy is waking up in Santa Claus pajamas on. listening to Christmas music. Hang the fuck on. It was Halloween the day before because he uh, wakes up and it's already saying 55. So therefore, it is 54 days till Christmas. And it is November 1st, which means he went to bed on Halloween in Santa Claus pajamas. I don't know, though. When I think about ad- advent calendars, you do them at night. No, so he probably you do them the, when you wake wipes, up in the morning. You eat chocolate for breakfast? Yeah, that's the whole joy of December. <laughs> Okay. In my my house, it was definitely like a, after dinner, we get a little piece of chocolate thing. That sucks. Well, I mean, it's not like I didn't also like lobby for desserts. Mine was like first thing. You're like, fucking chocolate. <laughs> nope. <laughs> like, still nope. in your jams. Not at all how it happened here in my place. Oh. Did you ever get desperate for chocolate? You're just like, I'm just, I'm, I'm just gonna no, eat tomorrow's piece right now. You don't get to do that. There were times, I did that once or twice. There were times like near the end of my advent calendar years where I would forget like a couple days, and then you'd oh. be like, oh yeah, I get to eat 15 to 17, and then you'd be sad because Christmas was slipping you by. And now I'm an adult, and then my life is slipping me by, and I haven't opened all the doors yet. <laughs> Oh, oh god that got really sad <laughs> a little bit oh my god <laughs> See, this is why you have the chocolate in the morning <laughs> you gotta start on an optimistic note otherwise it's all downhill from there oh god we're what are we doing <laughs> why are we here well that's been nightmare on film street guys thanks for tuning in <laughs> the horrors of living yeah i'm john stay optimistic <laughs> Like you would assume maybe with any sort of like weird fetish somebody has. And I mean weird. Um, is it even a fetish though? It's, well, what I'm trying to say is there's, right. there's an event in his childhood that like shaped him in his formative years and it's affected him in his adult life. It's hard to say whether there's any sort of sexual connection to it. I would say no. Yeah, but the movie's very uncomfortable. It's really hard to watch because he is definitely playing santa but it's almost like that is too holy to do because as as he slowly transforms into this santa it's almost like ludicrous when he does the laugh and he wears the beard and these are all like surprising and ludicrous things to him but very early in the film he's keeping tabs on the neighbor kids like really keeping tabs on them he has special books made up for like good boys and good girls and what do you the the good 
list and the naughty list or whatever yeah, they're called. List, yeah. And they're these really ornate books, but he has like scrolled out shit on all the neighbor kids. He's spying on them from the rooftop with binoculars. And like the way he's looking at that little girl is just a little much. Yeah, I, it's, see, it's he, hard to say because the whole beginning half of the film, you're watching it with really cautiously because we we know this is a horror film. And, and you know, know he's going to be our villain. Yeah, and a lot of this is focused on the kids. Like there's there's the girl that's really good and super pleasant. He just loves her because she's so cute. And then the boy who's bad and he like he needs to be punished because he's naughty and he gets written up in the bad book. Yeah, for, but you're for like, cutting how? out girls in a penthouse magazine. Which like, not is only so is funny. he just like tearing out full thoughts. <laughs> and poor hygiene. Was that the other poor one? Hyg- poor hygiene, poor body, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he cuts out these girls, like, like photoshops them out of the magazine. I don't know how to explain it. Like, he doesn't just tear out the sheets. He literally cuts them out. So he's got like these little weird paper dolls of these <laughs> girls. Yeah, and so you're really cautious at the beginning watching it because... You don't know to what extent his transformation is going to affect kids. Like, is he going to be a good Santa to kids and then just kill adults to piss him off? Or, like, is this kid Tommy or whatever going to fucking get it? And then, surprise, we find out that he works at the Holly Dreams Toy Factory. Good job remembering the name of it. I wrote it down. We don't spend a lot of time there. Um, Not really, actually. The toys they make are kind of shitty. Yeah. Uh, they're like click together plastic parts. Like they're they're kind of boring. There's he does like... complain about that though because he's talking with his I wouldn't say friends, but he's talking with his coworkers about oh these toys they're not as good as they used to be. Like don't you remember how important it was when you were a kid to get a toy that had structure and with longevity and would last? And they're all just rolling their eyes because they don't give a shit. I just think it's so interesting that this guy has held it together so long that he's gotten a recent promotion so he used to be on the line and now he's part of like the managerial staff mm-hmm. but he's unhinged from the moment we join him in his adult life so and the way his brother reacts he's almost anticipating a breakdown from his his older brother yeah so i, don't know. I think it's his younger brother we've been expecting something to happen with this guy for a while so i want to know like was christmas just run of the mill like he went to his brother's house did he have a normal Christmas? Did he buy gifts? I think he did all of that. And I think he was just like quiet, kept to himself, really introverted. He was just socially awkward, maybe. What is the catalyst? Um, Honestly, I think it's just kind of been like a slow crescendo to this. I don't know that it's been any one specific thing. I think he's just always been progressing to this. And whatever, for whatever reason, it reached a tipping point here. You're right. It doesn't necessarily make sense that all of a sudden this year he goes over the edge. But I think this is the first time where we see him really lose control. I think this is the first Christmas where he goes absolutely nutters. Actually, you know what? I think I know what the catalyst is, to be perfectly honest. Like, there's a pretty good chance that, like, from November 1st onward, he becomes very unstable. And, you know, given that he and his brother aren't necessarily close, these are probably the only times throughout the year that they actually see each other around Thanksgiving and Christmas. Mm. So that's why he's always thought that he was a little strange, maybe. It's because there's a conversation that he has with his boss and a new person that they're bringing in and how they don't care about the toys and they're going to donate toys to a kid's shelter but they don't know exactly how many toys. And like, who really cares anyway? Like, just like that that idea that the people making the toys don't care about the children. Like, it totally mm, destroys right. him. And those are the people that he seeks out to kill later at the church. Yeah, and that's a really good point, too, because they this is at the work Christmas party, which I fucking love this scene. Oh, this is the greatest scene of the whole movie. It they They did a really good job recreating 
I, I know I tweeted about this, so if you saw my tweet, I'm sorry. I'm going to talk about Christmas parties a lot. <laughs> um, they just did a really good job of capturing it. There's like a rack of coats and it's in an office room where there's that like drop ceiling. Mm. And It's a room that was never supposed to have a party, but they yeah. were like, fuck it, we'll just push a few tables back to the, against the wall, right? It'll be perfect. And it's just a folding table that they have. Somebody's playing bartender. There's a bunch of maraschino cherries in like a plastic cup. Would and you like just... to know who that somebody is playing bartender? Who is playing Director bartender? Lewis Jackson. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, but it starts out and the party's really lame and everybody's kind of mingling and chatting. But by the end of the party, it's just like a collision of people in the center. And it's just like, you want to have a Christmas party. It looks so much fun. They look like a lot of fun on the outside. But I mean, like every office Christmas party I've been to has been pretty, pretty mm. dry. Like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to talk about work some more in a party setting. <laughs> you got to wait till the maraschino cup is half full and then, okay. and then it gets fun. So show up late. Take up smoking for at least two and a half hours, hang out outside, or just show up fashionably late, and then no, and you the just party's rocking. You come in late, you're taking off your scarf, and you're like, sorry, had trouble finding a sitter, and then everybody laughs, and they get you two drinks, and then it's a great party. Yeah, gotta catch up, right? <laughs> <laughs> Is this where we first start to see him talk about his tune, and how he's finally yeah. found his tune? And he didn't drop it the whole movie. No, he, no, he, he kept, kept it. He kept with his tune there is There is a great interaction uh, where he's he's talking to somebody and like they're like, hey, how the hell are you, buddy? How's it going? Everything going okay down there? At the are you plant? doing the Scrooged? <laughs> I think I am. You're literally doing, it's either. <laughs> hey, how the hell are you? <laughs> it's either American Psycho or Scrooged. <laughs> Which I want to pair together one year, by the way. That sounds like a cool pairing. You didn't like it when I pitched it. Yeah, well, what's the what's the thread that ties them together, though? City living. It's Christmas. City living. Yeah. It's Literally like... any movie shot in New York City could be called city living. Whatever. That's not the, the episode title, but that's the theme. Is It's like big city, egos, Christmas. But in, but in Scrooge, he gives up his ego. He loses his ego. So does Patrick Bateman loses his ego. I don't know that. Okay. All right. You're on to something. Is, see, here's the thing. Is we'll Pat- call it ego death. Does, yeah, but does he ever have an ego? Like, does he even ever have an id? Is, or is he just a shell? He's just got a wild imagination. <laughs> okay. Coming to a podcast near you. This argument continued. <laughs> I love that office party. Um, because he starts talking about that crazy tune and... It's definitely a metaphor for him trying to like fit into society and like crack the code, I think. Or like what his calling is. Like he yeah. never had a purpose and now he knows his purpose and it's to fucking kill people as Santa Claus. But the reaction from the guy he's talking to is the fucking best. He's what just the like, fuck are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, I don't know a goddamn thing you're saying right now. <laughs> and then like a few other people come in and interrupt. It is, oh, it's the greatest. It looks like Gonzo filming. They look like they made him talk to a real person and that real person was just like, I don't have a fucking idea what's going on what right fuck? now. And that's also the douche that said he couldn't work his shift that night, isn't it? No. Oh, I'm pretty sure it is. No, it's a managerial office party, and he's not part that the other guys are, like, assembly guys. They're not. No, but they're all there because he's like, oh, he's probably jealous you got that big promotion. Is that who that is? I think it is. Okay. Yeah, so this is the douche, I think, Hmm. who couldn't give up his shift because he said he was going away for the weekend with his family. I believe his name was Frank. And, uh... Harry, the lead guy, who I don't know if we said his name yet, took his shift for him and worked the line, even though he's a manager now. And then on the, while he was walking home, he saw him at the bar. He's like, yeah, I got stupid Harry working for me because we're going early in the morning, but I figured I could stop at the bar tonight and have a drink. And you're just like, you fucking dick. Okay, so we need to talk about the scene 
where he first visits the kid what's the kid's name billy or whatever where he visits the kid and he's peeping in through the window actually i think his name is moss garcia okay <laughs> don't ask me why i've recalled that um and they're getting ready to go out to something uh his mom's a single mom she's very at the end of her wits he's pe- basically peeping but he does the fucking creepiest thing ever where he covers his face and his hands in mud and then he smears, not even smears him, he presses himself into the, the siding. siding. on the house, yeah. I think it's the single strangest scene of the entire movie. It's so odd. It's very unsettling. And like, I thought this was a moment where things were going to flip and he was just going to strangle I, that little boy. I thought he was going to start murdering there. I this, thought he was going to murder them. That's one of the craziest things about this movie is that at no point do you know when he is going to go on a rampage. Yeah, because after that, he's like starts sewing his suit and he's whistling and he's trying on the beard and stuff. But like at that mud face scene, I was ready to be, I was ready for shit to go down. Yeah, it's really bizarre because before he even does that, he's staring at this kid through the window, just stalking him basically. And then, yeah, he presses his face in his hands. So there's an imprint of all of that on the siding of the house. And then the little kid and his mom are getting ready to go and he hides in the bushes. And there's this really tense scene where the kid knows there's somebody in the bush and he's going to walk over and he scares the shit out of this kid. And like even the mom knows that there's something wrong happening, but she doesn't go back and check. Probably a good thing. Shit might have gone downhill Mm. fast if she went over. Yeah. But it's such a weird thing to do. And honestly, I think it fits in this movie. Like, I'm really on board with it. I think it's fine. Like, the whole idea that you better watch out. You better not cry. uh, Because Santa Claus is watching you. That's what he's trying to say there. I think he's trying to get the kid. He's hoping that the kid in the morning at some point will see that mud face and hands on the wall and and realize that somebody's watching me. Maybe it's Santa because we're so close to Christmas. I should be a better boy and less naughty. Oh, man. It's really, it's really nuts to watch. Even the second time around, it was still, still crazy. Yeah, because who he ends up killing. So when he finally gets to kill in town, um, it actually doesn't start out about killing. What he's doing is he's stealing a bunch of toys from his factory and bringing them to the hospital so there will actually be enough for all the kids. So he is cuckoo bananas and dresses up full Santa regalia. Regalia? Regalia. Regalia. <laughs> and he paints up his truck so it looks like a sled. But who he ends up killing is a bunch of like city slickers who are first to come out of Midnight Mass. So those city slickers that are first coming out of Midnight Mass, though, uh, are some of the people that were at the Christmas party. Are they? Yeah, they were the ones that didn't care about how many toys were going to the kids at the at the school at the at the hospital was it actually them yeah i don't even actually know if it was that one guy in particular that ended up dying i think he was trying to kill him and a few other people ended up getting killed i think he's the guy who identifies him but he doesn't know that it's this guy he works with he doesn't know that it's harry <laughs> i thought it was just some random city slickers and we watched it twice <laughs> yeah they it's... made fun of his truck and then he killed them in front of everybody coming out of mass yeah he just pulls this hatchet out of nowhere and just starts slamming people on the top of the head special effects there are pretty good i like the cuts there because they're kind of they're kind of silly like the his arm doesn't line up with where he hits them in the head and stuff but it's great it's it's good fun it's weird it's like um it's like the kill scenes are almost italian 
in a they're, way. They're like stop motiony. <laughs> it's like here's an arm, here's a here's a kill, here's an arm, yeah. here's a kill. It's just like close ups on moments. You don't really have any wide shots of the chaos. It's not bad though. And uh, from there, he kind of, he goes on the run and then wanders into another Christmas party. And, like, he, the, the gears are really loose at this point. Like, yeah, he's like he, losing it. He's having a hard time gauging between, like, rage and, like, oh, good girls and boys. Yeah. And, uh. Some drunk guys see him, like, you gotta come in the party. We've we've spotted you now. You gotta come in for a drink. Get warm. Yeah, and they're all nice and they applaud and they clap for Santa because Santa's at the party and he's he's nice and he dances with all the women and children he says some fucking weird shit to them though and then he says some really ominous shit but that whole scene is tense because we don't trust his mental state no he's already killed people and he's currently on the run and uh pretty good chance he's gonna kill again right yeah when he's in there and right before he leaves they have him talk to the kids and you can tell that the mums don't like this. Like, the mums are really like, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't like this guy. Happening. You guys seen his outfit? It's really goddamn dirty. I'm pretty sure he's a homeless man. But he's talking to these kids, and he's like, Now remember, be good, and I will bring you presents. But if you're naughty, I will bring you something horrible. That was a really good impression. <laughs> Thank you. And it's like, who the fuck says that? Ugh. And it really and brings the room down. And then he just starts laughing really yeah. maniacally. They all toast Santa like it was all a big joke, perfectly planned, nothing to roll your eyes at here or be worried about. They go on with the rest of their night. If he went on, if that massacre got to be longer, he would definitely kill a kid or two. Right? Because he would ask them all if they've been good or not. Yeah. And as soon as they say no. The fact that he made made it out of that massacre without killing a kid is purely coincidental. Right? Mm-hmm. He's not above killing kids. I don't know. Because, okay, here's the thing. We should say, um, Moss Garcia, uh, that little boy that he was spying on, he does deliver him a package. He's got nothing. Isn't it like a dirt or something? Yeah, so he's got nothing but bad notes about this kid in his book, and he fills a, like, when he's filling sacks of toys, he fills an entire sack with dirt? And leaves it on his doorstep? I can't remember the note that he leaves, but I'm sure it was something like, naughty boys get dirt, or something dumb like that, right? (laughs) There's also a scene, though, where he's, like, pouring metal into, like, tin soldiers and stuff. I was expecting it to be, like, lead, and he's like, haha, I'm slowly poisoning the bad children. That's what I expected out of that. Yeah, like, he, it seems like he's trying to make his own toys. Maybe he, okay, you know what? Maybe we looked at that as a weird scene. But I think the idea is that he's trying to make his own toys. He's trying to be Santa. And he's maybe at some point he's realized, I can't make enough fucking toys. <laughs> I'm just going to steal them all from the toy factory I work at. And, you know, like, all's done. And after the massacre, too, he goes back to the toy factory and he, like, turns on all the switches. So the toys are just running on the conveyor belts and crashing on the floor. Yeah. And he has this big, like, ha-ha, evil laugh. <laughs> And calls his brother. And I don't know why. why. <laughs> yeah, and he calls his brother and he's just like, I figured it out now. My tune. I know the tune. <laughs> it's the tune everyone's been singing forever. I understand. You're just like nonsensical shit, right? Uh, but before he goes over to see his bro, uh, he makes a pit stop at Frank's house. And he smothers that guy in his sleep. Yeah, and he kills him on top of his wife, which is great. What did you... Th- okay, so at first I think you were laughing at his wife's reaction to that. 
Did it make you? No, I loved it. Okay, good. I absolutely loved it. She so, was too terrified to scream for like a full minute and a half. Yeah, like it's it happens very rarely in real life, and if it's if it's happened to you, you know. But maybe you've had it in nightmares before. Oh, John, in your nightmare. Where, I'm not gonna tell a story. I'm just gonna blaze past it. <laughs> Jeez. So she's screaming, but no sound is coming out, and. Uh, it gives him just enough time to smile at these kids who've spied on him, thinking he's the real Santa Claus, uh, before we hear Mum's like, blood-curdling scream from the other room, and he exits out. Now, one thing we did gloss over is that he strolls in through the front door, I think, but only after realizing that he can't go down the oh, goddamn yeah. chimney. There's a full-out scene where he gets really stuck in a chimney, you're like, oh, the massacre is over, and then he gets out. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought he was gonna die I in there. I thought he was gonna die there, too. Yeah, I thought he was gonna, like, suck in his stomach and go down the chimney and just waste away in there with no one ever knowing. It's a good prequel to, to Gremlins. I was like, isn't that Gremlins? Yeah, it was, no, it's kind of somebody's dad, but... So he goes to see his brother. Who's been unhinged the entire movie. His brother? Yeah, so um, Harry misses Thanksgiving because he's too fucking wrapped up in the the, in the Thanksgiving parade. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it, it kind of like sets off a bit of worry in his brother. And so when Harry doesn't show up for Christmas, he knows something is wrong. And then these massacres start uh, airing on the news, and everybody's saying, "Watch out for Santa!" And he hasn't quite put it together, but he's definitely like losing it in terms of like. Knowing something is wrong. Yeah, he's got a pretty bad feeling. He doesn't want to say it out loud, and he doesn't want to commit to it. Yeah, but. and they definitely translated it with, like, really terrible fights and relations with his wife. Like, oh, their marriage he, is yeah, ending that yeah. Christmas. Which is, which is crazy, because when we're first introduced to them, they seem like a perfectly normal couple. They're very happy. You know, he's doing push-ups that don't matter, and, you know, she's getting ready for the, you know, for dinner. And then, you know, they come over, they're, like, hugging and kissing, and then he's just an ass the rest of the movie. Um, is it supposed to be that his brother lives in their childhood house? Definitely. Or is it just that they could afford one house? What do you mean? No, it's the childhood house. You 100% home. like it's it's intentional? Yeah, because there's a scene where so We're talking about his wife. Where he's looking through the window mm. like peeping and they cut to a memory and the brother decorates less than his parents did. So the parents the parents decorated all of the house, like all of the windows and mm -hmm. the trim and stuff, but he only decorates the bottom windows and the front entry. Yeah. And they did like a fade to show how much more Christmassy it mm. was when they were kids. Good point. Which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah. There's 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 also a really cool moment. And like I I, I don't know that it really works a hundred percent visually. I like it. It's a good callback. It's bookending the movie almost where he's having this this argument with his brother and uh, it's right at the fireplace where Harry had originally seen his mum and his dad fooling around like that that pivotal moment or whatever. Yeah, that pivotal moment, that traumatic event, whatever you want to call it. And he's watching them through the banisters and here where he's trying to explain to him that everything that he's done is because of this tune and how you said you didn't believe in Santa. And he, like his brother loses it. He just starts, his brother Philip strangles Harry uh, into unconsciousness, his, uh, his, his Santa Claus brother. And while this is happening, uh, it, Philip's wife crouches down in behind the banisters. And we have like this identical moment where she's watching this play out from behind the banisters, just like Harry was as a kid watching his parents through the banisters. And like, it's it's not exactly saying the same thing in both scenes, but I see, so what, nice. I see what they're going yeah. for. And it's, it's not bad. I like it. And then it's super fun. He drags him out and, and puts him in his van. His van slash sleigh. sleigh. 
Uh, and at this point, we think he's dead. <laughs> yeah. But he wakes up in just enough time to punch his brother in the face. Yes. And drive off. Oh, we've we've completely missed a scene where he has a showdown with... There's a lot in this movie, guys. There is so much. There is an entire sequence we've completely glossed over where an entire neighborhood gets pitchforks and, fi- and Isn't that fire. Isn't this and- part? No, this is the- we're talking about the very end right now. Like He leaves them and goes to his brother's house. I know, it's, it's all over. No, the but th- at the end when he does the spoiler thing, there's pitchforks chasing after him. Yeah, because pitchforks oh, to they his catch brother's with, house. Okay. He like he gets to his brother's house is the Makes idea. Makes sense. Yeah. Um so like pitchforks and flames and it's, everything. Yeah, it's like Frankenstein. <laughs> and are we gonna talk about it? We are gonna talk about okay, it. Okay, like skip ahead a few minutes if you don't want spoiled, but he's taken off. He's leaving his brother's house. <laughs> and he's he's like racing across town to try and get to safety. And like just when things are starting to look their worst and there's no way out, his van spins out. He goes off the guardrail. He's heading down and toward the Brooklyn Bridge, I guess, the Brooklyn River, wherever he's going <laughs> to end. No, instead, we take off. The sleigh goes up into the sky like Santa Claus and to happy Christmas and to all a good night into the sunset. Oh, it's so good. Oh, man. I... Uh, it's one of the craziest endings I've ever seen. I mean, he's 100% dead. You think so? No. Or you think he's Santa? No, because even the look on his brother's face is like, oh my God, what is happening right now? Uh, I think it happened. I think it totally happened, and I don't think it makes any sense. It's like the ending of Repo Man, but it, like, at least in Repo Man, we have an entire buildup throughout the enti- of the whole movie where somebody has this weird car that shouldn't exist. I think it's just fantasy. It's like in the end of Greece when they drive off into the sky. It's yeah, fantasy. Yeah, but this movie has no fantasy whatsoever. This movie is Neither so... Neither does Greece. Greece doesn't have any fantasy. What are you, are you kidding me? There's like an entire Grease Lightning sequence where like it's in an imagination. That's, that's, an, that's an imagination. Okay. What else in Greece is an imagination? Beauty school dropout, but that's also imagination. So I'm just yeah. putting that out there for you. Right? It's imagination. Yeah. But I mean, in this, it's like, it's grimy. It's real. This I know. Is and it's amazing. Life. It's awesome. But and it's this... fantasy. <laughs> okay. I, I like to think that it's not. And Somebody that the movie wants just... the spirit of Christmas over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what he's going for, it's right? He's magic. Oh. He's really Santa. What's your rating on this movie? Is it, Well, first off, is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I think we've covered everything. I really enjoy this movie. I really did too. Like way more than I thought we did. Yeah. Um Bobby Wood. I wanna give it a four out of four, but I think that might be too much. I don't know. I'm like smiling. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a three and a half out of four. I'm also giving this movie a three point five out of four. This movie is fucking incredible and I loved every goddamn minute of it. Um so often I'm asking people for recommendations of like early, early 80s, late 70s exploitation stuff. And, you know, a lot of times the recommendations I get are thinly veiled porns. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, like what I'm going for is just like grimy, sleazy, just like movies that shouldn't exist that bend and break all the rules. And that's kind of exactly what this is. It's so weird and wild. Um also, I'm learning that like our three and three and a half out of four recommendations is kind of like the moat that exists around this podcast. It is treacherous territory because everything else that we've rated four to four, you can guarantee it's going to be good. I bet. Um, or at least we think it's great. Two out of four. 
pretty good, not bad. You know, maybe you'll have some complaints about it, but totally worth your time. Anything less than that, it's like, oh, good idea, bad execution, yada, yada. Three out of four, though, is almost always, this movie's garbage, but I love it. <laughs> like, almost <laughs> always garbage, but I love it. Or like, I shouldn't like this, but oh boy, do I. Like, you you would expect that, like, there is a scale to which you could go, okay, no matter what, the higher we get up on this recommendation, uh, the better the movie is. Three out of four is where you hit a weird pit. <laughs> like, it's a no man's land, and you, you are entering on your own free will when you get to three or 3.5 out of 4 in this podcast. That's great. <laughs> I'd like to go back and see what we've actually rated things. We should have we should have been keeping track. We should have. Oh, man. One day we will. We'll go through them one day. I feel like we could talk about this movie for a lot longer. Uh like we said there's a whole time we missed, but let's move on. Let's talk about 1984's Silent Night, Deadly Night. was the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. Survive Christmas, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Directed by Charles E. Seller Jr., Silent Night, Deadly Night is currently sitting at a 5.9 out of 10 on IMDb, 27% on Rotten Tomatoes, 2.9 out of 5 on Letterboxd. And although Roger Ebert did not review the movie himself, if you'd like to know what he and Siskel thought, um... I think a direct quote from Gene Siskel on the TV show was Shame on You, where he named all of the producers and encouraged people to send them letters and show up at their houses. What? Yeah, that's actually something he's done a few times, um, unfortunately. I think he did that regarding uh, either Friday the 13th Part 2 or some 80s slasher where he literally read out the address of the producer and said, hey, write them letters, go to their house, tell them that what they're doing is, is no good. Oh. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, this movie was fraught with controversy from the get-go, from literally everybody. Which is crazy, because Christmas Evil is a very similar movie to this movie. <laughs> or there's even Silent Night, Bloody Night, that came out in the late 70s. Black Christmas, like, we have tarnished Christmas already, by this point. yeah. You know, the, the thing is that they, they took Santa and they made Santa the villain. And Christmas Evil, not a wide release, I guarantee it. Mm. Surely that was just a, a few select theaters in some big cities. And that was about it. With something like Silent Night, Deadly Night, it had a big release. Fun fact, this is nuts. This movie came out the exact same day as Nightmare on Elm Street. And in its opening weekend, made more than Nightmare on Elm Street. When did they both come out, though? The end of November or the beginning of December? That makes sense. Sure, it makes sense. It also played in more theaters than Nightmare on Elm Street. Wow. Yeah. Unfortunately, this movie, because of the PTA and all of the parents that were protesting the movie, it got pulled after literally one week and then just disappeared forever. This movie does have a lot of 
nudity and sexuality in it, though. Like, Mm -hmm. it's very of its time 80s slasher in regards to how many breasts are out and where and when. (laughs) I feel like any opportunity to have a boob, they're like, pull on in. You're not wrong. Because in the beginning, when he sees his parents being killed, for no reason, this guy's like, I'm going to tear her shirt open first before I slit her throat. Yeah, because... The Santa's M.O. at the beginning, so he robs a gas station and he kills the gas attendant. Fun fact, there's a uh, stack of chips behind the gas attendant so he can fall into them when he gets shot. But it's also obstructing the door to the back room, which I loved. Maybe he's trying not to let people ask for the bathroom. No, it's great. It's good. I appreciate it. Um, (laughs) But so he's definitely set up as a thief. Yeah. And he's got this like car trouble set up. He's dressed as Santa. So the family stops when they're driving. Does he actually have car trouble? No, I think he's just trying to rob the family. But so he shoots the dad and then the mom's getting out of the car to try to get away. And he like rips her blouse open and then he's like on top of her, but he's not molesting her or attempting to rape her or anything because he slits her throat mm-hmm. and then he like, basically just walks around looking for that kid why did you have to shame her yeah it's really weird it's an odd move yeah. you know it's funny and they- now we're shameful because we had to watch you shame her like <laughs> don't put that on us yeah this is a you problem man yeah and then there's like a bunch of flashbacks of it so like now <laughs> a the, lot of now flashbacks. the director is shaming us interesting enough the director was really uncomfortable filming the death sequences and he didn't do it most of the death sequences were shot by the movie's editor. Wow. Yeah. That's funny. This movie spends, for 79 minutes, this movie spends a lot of time doing nothing at I the beginning. I have to say, it feels like a longer movie than it is. Christmas Evil is a longer movie. Which is crazy. Only by like 10 minutes, but still, that movie at least moves. It's got a lot going on. This, there's not a lot here. Yeah, we go through a bunch of different phases, and each one has a different boy representing the lead Because we follow him, so three years later, him and his brother are in a orphanage that's run by the Catholic Church, so he's got mother bitch, and and sister doesn't do anything. Yep. (laughs) Um, Where he learns about punishment and retribution and being bad and also more sex things. Well, what's interesting is that um, she is essentially repeating the same things his kooky grandfather said to him when they went to visit him. Why does his Eve. grandfather reanimate? It's really weird. I don't understand. Dad, grandpa looks a little bit like Santa Claus. And when they go to see him on Christmas Eve, he just scares the bejesus out of him. Like, have you been naughty? Because Santa's coming and he's going to punish you. And that's exactly what the what Mother Superior says to him later on. Like, naughty boys must be punished. But for her, it's like with a whip, so. Yeah, well, I guess what we're trying to do is that they're trying to show us a lifetime of indoctrination. Maybe that's not the right word, but uh, we're seeing how his mind has been twisted and shaped um, into this character that will later go on to have a rampage. Oh, yeah, like this film is arguing nurture over nature. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, yeah. And bad nurture (laughs) makes a bad person. Yeah, and we spend a lot of time at this orphanage because we flash forward another few... Li- or no, when do they do the Santa's lap thing? Is that in the f- when he's young or is it when he's like 12? Because we see him we see him at like 8. 5, actually. We see him at 5 when his parents are killed. And then we cut ahead a few years to when he is... 8. I'm sorry, I completely forgot about that. Because you're right, there is another section where he's like 13. No, it's just 8. Is it's it? 5, 8, and then he's 18. Yeah, when he's 8, he has the Santa lap thing and... He punches Santa right in the right in the nose. Well, because they're like, 
you see, he's going to be a good boy from now on. Uh, because she whipped him and she tied him to his bed. And he's like, you'll see, I'm going to make him sit on Santa's lap later. And then sister whatever is like, I don't know, he's kind of got a Santa thing. They really don't think that's a good idea. And then cut to her like <laughs> dragging him. <laughs> well, I mean, it's their own fault. Like, oh, hey, Santa literally murdered his parents. Yeah, like maybe drag him to therapy. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to drag him anywhere. But no, you know what he needs? Prayer and beatings. Oh. That's exactly what he needs. That woman does not like children. Like Not at all. What is which she is, doing there? Which is crazy because later on in the movie when we cut back to her 10 years later, she loves children. I think she likes quiet behaved children. You're you know, right. very few. Now that they've all been scared because of a murder they witnessed. Yeah, she's like, ooh, these are when they're the best. <laughs> yeah. She whips the shit out of him with somebody else's belt. And my favorite part about that is that she keeps that belt. <laughs> she walks, so she finds him spying on these these two older kids at the orphanage who are, who are having sex. Uh, are they kids? I thought they were... Like staff? Yeah. Well, I, I, I would assume they're 17, 16, 17. Mm. And when she comes in, she takes his belt and starts beating them with the belt. And then later on beats Billy with the belt. And uh, I guess she just kept, she just held on to that belt. Well, that's hers now. Yeah. Ner- I don't, I keep calling them nurses. Ugh, what the fuck are they? They kind of look like nurses. What are they called? Nuns. Nuns. Oh my God. I was like, not nurses. What's the nurse for Jesus? <laughs> So at some point, it's 10 years later, little Billy He's is... blonde now. Yeah, he's blonde. Um... And a stud muffin. Okay, good. Yeah, I was going to back up a little bit because the sister is saying, hey, uh, we, we got this kid. He's 18 now. Obviously, we had to kick him out on his own. <laughs> we're not going to give him any help. Can you get him a job? You know, nah, we're full up. I need somebody who's strong. And then enter Billy, who is <laughs> Mr. Sims is clearly smitten for. Yeah, he's just like muscle town, and he's dreamy, he's got a strong chin, he's got blonde hair. Yeah, and this hardened toy shop owner is all of a sudden just like, ooh, it's it's getting warm (laughs) in here. You didn't say he was a stud. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So they hire him to like carry boxes and get yelled at a bunch. And then there's this like super fun montage where he's just like getting his work done to country music, working real hard and lifting boxes. And then my sort of boss or co-worker is drinking on the job. That's the majority of a regular movie. It should just be him, like, getting to know these people, getting closer to Christmas, like, you know, edging towards becoming crazy. But all of a sudden, it's Christmas, and they're like, hey, we need somebody to wear a Christmas outfit because the guy's gone. Can you wear a Christmas outfit? All right, <laughs> cool, you look like, pregnant. Bah! <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he shuts down. My fa- This is actually my favorite part of the movie, even though this is where it really starts to drag. You want to know Why? Why? Because there are all kinds of old toys in the background of every scene. And if you get... You love seeing those Fisher Price boxes, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) If you get bored, you can just wander. Your your eyes can want... There's mousetrap. There was um, little stuffies for Muppets. There was the Muppet dog. And in the back room... These are literally during a kill sequence. (laughs) In the back room... Kim's bored. There were Halloween costumes and they were like classic monsters and stuff. Yeah, they definitely looked like Ben Cooper. There's also a fun scene where there's no toys in it uh, inside Billy's fantasy mind where we see his hairy butt. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> while he's... His really bad angle. Like, really bad angle. Really. Every time because there's... Because your, your brain's trying to piece together what you're seeing and you're like, is that a, oh, is that a butt? Yeah, because every single 
moment where two characters are having sex on screen, we start tight on feet. Foot first. And then we like crawl up some legs. We get to like a huge hairy butt. <laughs> and then we go on to the rest of stuff. Um, I mean, he knew what scene they were filming that day. He could have got waxed. It's fine. It was his imagination. It's the 80s too. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so real quick, he goes nutters. He he commits all kinds of sins. He's Santa. Um, he which P.S. I don't know what the Catholic Church's position on this, but I remember growing up there were there were two groups of people at church. There were the people who were like, "Hey, Santa's fun for kids," and then there was the, "Hey, he's not Jesus, so let's not bring him up." Like there were literally groups of people that wouldn't have Santa in their house or talk about Santa or teach their kids about Santa because it was just like. Not making a joke out of Christmas. Yeah, like the same way they wouldn't let kids play with Pokemon or Harry Potter. But uh, he has alcohol for the first time at this Christmas party. He sees the girl he loves go off with somebody else. Yeah. 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 In that scene, though, they're kissing for what seems like hours because several people have left the party by this point. Everybody's loaded or left. Yeah. And so they go to the back room to like, you know, he's got a present for her he wants to show her or give to her. The worst part about that scene is that we assume that she's not smart enough to realize what's going on, right? Uh, Oh, there's a present for me over there? Oh, let's go see what it is. Uh, he says I'm gonna love it. Yeah, which is definitely him like attempting to rape her. That's the gift. Yeah, until it becomes him actually raping her, right? Yeah, and so boobs out because that's the movie we're watching. Yeah. And our Santa comes in in like rage mode because he's just gonna do it. There what's the song they're singing? Because that is fucking awesome in this scene. I don't know what that song is, actually. Oh, they also play it dur- during the end credits, but it's really good. I wish we knew the fucking lyrics to yeah, it. Yeah, it's just two people in the back singing a Christmas song. And it's super ominous. Yeah. Um don't yeah, it is super <laughs> ominous. It is, John. Well, like okay. So, anyways, he yeah. goes back there to stop the rape or whatever. By killing this guy, he picks him up. Like the fucking He-Man, stud muffin, giant Santa he is. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) And dangles him from a Christmas light wire really high. And then he's dead. And there's a lot of blood because, you know, when you strangle people, they just bleed and bleed and bleed. Um, And then he kills her, too. He saves her from a rape. Like, he's a little much. He could have punched him in the face and knocked him out. But he kills him. And then she's like, you're fucking crazy, man. Yeah. Um, And then he so he kills her. What is it that he keeps saying to people? Punish! Oh, that's what it is. How could I forget? (laughs) Yeah, naughty naughty kids must be punished. Yeah, punish. 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 And uh, yeah, so he he finishes killing the rest of everybody. Yeah, he kills his boss, and then he kills the employee. Uh, Hers hers is good, because she's wearing this little silly Christmas hat. She's smart. Yeah, and she hides it in the storeroom, and then she hides behind a bunch of, like, inflatable things. But then he gets her with a crossbow. Yeah, he thinks he's seeing her, like, oh, stupid idiot, I could see the top of her hat in that other aisle, and when he goes to sneak up on her, she's been hiding behind some boxes. But yeah, crossbow. She really stalled on breaking the door down with the axe. They mm-hmm. obviously, they were obviously paying for that space. <laughs> they didn't want to pay to replace a pane of glass. But also she should have just put that axe in his goddamn head. Yeah. Guys, if you find yourself in a horror movie, just start stomping until they don't exist anymore. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the laws on self-defense, but like they've confirmed that the big giant monster was the serial murderer and you have like stomped him to oblivion. Like, I don't know if, if you're going to get in a lot of trouble for that. Yeah. Like, he was a monster from the sea. I'm talking about Jason. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, come on, guys. Live the American dream. Kill somebody and get away with it. I'm still just angry about the Friday the 13th remake episode where they put this human Jason that they made into the water after they murdered him. And it's like, this is for the police to decide. Yeah. The police will decide if he gets another movie. Yeah. (laughs) That is not where I thought that was going. (laughs) That was good. Oh, man. (laughs) So after dispatching of everybody in in the Christmas store, in the toy store, which, you know, regular movie that'd be the whole movie that's done he just starts wandering around at random yeah he ends up at this house where i'm not really sure what the dynamic is here i think she's babysitting but i think she's babysitting her younger sister sister. yeah and she's got her boyfriend over and they're gonna like do it on the pool table because boobs you know um (laughs) because this movie didn't have enough (laughs) oh like and if there's one thing she's got out more than her boobs it's her ribs like watching her in this movie scares me (laughs) <laughs> she's and also, so, so thin um, it's so it looks like it hurts my favorite part of the logic here though is that when they stop the action because her cat she can hear her cat's bell but it's not her cat it's santa's suit okay but also it's the cat <laughs> yeah also cat so she goes up to let the cat in but instead of like getting completely dressed, she just puts shorts on and that's it. Like, what are you gonna do? Why are you putting shorts on if you're not gonna put a shirt on? What was the benefit? Like, what was the point of putting shorts on? Yeah, and, and like if decency or like have, worrying about a neighbor is is something that you're not concerned with, it's cold. Yeah, it's December twenty fourth. Fully opens the door, topless. Like, where are you, Mister Jingles? And meanwhile, downstairs. Her stupid boyfriend's gotten fed up. He starts playing pool. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't hear any of what's going on. Like her getting murdered upstairs. Oh, yeah. Santa breaks down that goddamn door. After a little bit of a tussle, he impales her on that deer head. It's very cool. He's really cool. tall. Like, this character has to be, for how they've written him, seven feet tall. I don't even think he's that tall. Would you have liked this kill more if it was faster? Something about him picking her up and pushing her slowly... Onto the deer head. No, I really like it because you see it like bust through yeah. her belly. Maybe that's why she's topless. So you can see, because they did some really good special effects there of it like bulging. She could have had a crop top. And then puncturing. Yeah, she could have, but boobs. Yeah. Ex- well, yeah, it's the <laughs> 80s, right? Uh, and her hanging there is great. Like the effects there are really awesome. I just, the whole scene, I'm like, why is he here? Like what brought him here? Did he hear the sinning from outside? <laughs> yeah, there's no rhyme or reason. He just shows up. Uh, but I do like it. It's a good kill. And you can see... Um... And like in Christmas Evil in this one, mm-hmm. there's definitely an opportunity for him to kill a kid here. And the only reason he doesn't is because she is very adamant that she is good. Which one do you like more? Because I don't think there's ever really... I don't think he ever has any intention in Christmas Evil of actually killing kids. But you do feel very scared for them. In this one in particular, at the very least, he is 100% ready to kill that little girl. Yeah, so... I am more scared for kids in Christmas Evil, yeah. but I like how dark this segment is. He yeah. literally gives her an X-Acto knife as a present because that's all he has. And that's what he was going to kill her with. He's ready to kill her. Totally. And he's like so ready to do it. Like he knows she's been naughty. And he's like, are, are you sure you've been good? And she's like, yeah, totally. And he's like, oh, I'm all right then. Here, here's a knife. It's got your sister's blood on it. Mm. It's very twisted. And she doesn't know what to do with it. At first, she's like, oh, thanks. What is this? Wait a minute. Something's wrong here. Like she, And then he just leaves like out through the front door, which cannot be closed anymore. <laughs> That's the real crime. That furnace is going to run all night. How does he kill her boyfriend? I don't even remember. I don't remember either. Breaks his neck. 
know. Puts his thumbs through his face. Kills him dead. Yeah. Shit, why don't we remember? I don't know. I remember them tackling each other, and he grabs the fire poker, and he like Yeah, and then he misses that opportunity to grab the axe out of the wall. Yeah. Instead, he goes for the phone, I think. He strangles him with the phone? Maybe. So from there, he wanders into the woods. Um, we don't know that yet, but given that we're following some kids who are going tobogganing in a different location than we've seen before, we'll assume he's going to show up. Oh, yeah, this is another really good random as fuck kill. Yeah, these two bullies take sleds from these normal kids who put up a fight. I will say at the very yeah, least, they, did. They, do, they put up a fight. They're just like, they're back talking these bullies. They know they're going to get punched. They take their punches. Not that you should, but you shouldn't just be like, oh, please don't hurt me, Mr. Bully. Like, tell him to fuck off. Tell him he's an asshole. Tell him his breath smells. I don't care. Just do something. Earn your shiner. <laughs> yeah, and then be super happy when you're not the one who gets your head cut off while you're going down that hill. Yeah, but I will say they were really eager to actually do some sledding. Like, I thought the whole... <laughs> they wanted to sled. Yeah, I thought the whole objective was just to be bullies and to steal the sled, yeah. the fun time from these kids. Like, yeah, we stole their sleds. Let's go break them. But instead, yeah. they're like, let's go sledding. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, woohoo. And one of them it definitely has like those ski lodge tags where, like, oh, like here's your lift pass. You're good for today. So, oh. like, this guy's a snow enthusiast. He's into the snow sports. <laughs> this is his year. Yeah. <laughs> and just because the place is closed doesn't mean I'm not going to sled. I like this death, though. The head never comes down, right? It does come down. Oh, it comes down afterward? Yeah. My mistake. It's good though. He gets decapitated. I think we spoiled that. Yeah, it's it's like a it's like a Christmas uh it's like a Christmas axe murderer version of stringing up a wire across the road and cutting off a motorcycle's head. Yeah. 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 Why do we keep doing that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the cops uh really have no idea what's going on. But thankfully, sister useless. Yeah, sister does nothing to help. Yeah, has figured, oh no, he's coming back to the orphanage. Because Mother Superior is the worst naughty Nodderson of all. Yeah, like they're trying to figure out a pattern in what he's doing and predict where he's going to go next. And yeah, that's 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 where they're, I mean, that's makes sense. And in doing their copley duties, they end up shooting an old deaf man dressed as Santa who's going to play Santa for the orphan children. Yeah. Um, they untru- shoot him dead. <laughs> There's a really long sequence where one of the police officers finds a basement to the church and explores the basement. But there's nothing in the basement. And there's nothing in the basement. But I I think what they're trying to do there is build tension. Like, no, they're building boredom or something. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're anticipating a scare. And you know what? Oh, this fucking movie, like, it runs in at 79 minutes. And there is so much of this movie I would cut out. It's not cut out. I would have just added more. Like, if we're going to do random spree killing and massacre stuff, like, let's just go to town. Let's just, let's go in every home. Let's kill, okay, sure. let's kill some more people. More kills. But let, let's assume that there, we don't want to do any more kills. Like, mm. this is the extent of the kills. All of the stuff at the beginning with his parents in the car is so long. It is pretty long. All of and the stuff re- at the end where they're we stalking keep flashing him. back to it. It's like, we remember. <laughs> his dad, by the way, only has one move when they're driving in the car with the kids. Like, somebody will say something and he'll just look and smile like, oh, I love my family. Like, that's the, <laughs> and they, they do that 17 times. I didn't notice. I just think it's weird that they didn't explain why Grandpa was a creep. Grandpa's weird. Like, pretending to be a vegetable. Why is he traumatizing so he this kid? So terrify his grandchild? Yeah. Like, I just, what's what are his motivations? Also- Did he live the rest of his life as a vegetable? Because he didn't have anybody to visit him after that. Who paid for his health, his home care bills? Did he end up, like, on the streets after? Yeah. We'll never know. Never know. Because I'm sure his son was paying for it. He had to go revise the paperwork. 
you know what's really interesting about all of this, uh, both of these movies, is that these guys are affected by traumatic events, especially Silent Night, Deadly Night, from their childhood regarding Santa. And then they go on sprees. And the sexualization of their mothers. Yeah, and this, the sexualization of their mothers, definitely, and murder um, in the sec- in Silent Night, Deadly Night, for sure. But they both go on to just do horrible things in front of children, literally just, like, yeah. completing that circle of violence. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, not only do we have one killer Santa this year, in 20 years, there's going to be, we're going to have multiplied out. Yeah, like, Silent Night, Deadly Night was the gremlins of evil Santas. <laughs> yeah, like, it's a real long progression. Um, it's a slow evolution, but we're going to get there. We've got more of them, and we've got bigger things to deal with. Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Well, because that's how you get the end of Silent, De- Silent Night, Deadly Night, because we have that final showdown in the lobby of the orphanage when Santa's coming in, he's ready to kill Mother Superior. She's like a bitch up until the very bitter end. <laughs> um, and then he gets shot by the cops who are coming in, and then Mother What's-Her-Name is like, ah! or Sister What's-Her-Name. Doesn't she say something about like, just don't hurt the children? And so he's dying, and he ends up dying in her arms, which is nice. He sees a kind face before he dies. <laughs> What does he say? Santa is dead? Yeah, like you have nothing to fear now. Santa is dead. I appreciated that line. You liked that? I did. Okay. I enjoyed it. it I was... guess I just wanted him to ride off in a van into the sky. <laughs> it was cheese balls, but it was good because yeah, it was good. It was a little poetic. Um, but then his little brother, who we didn't know was his brother until we're like, oh yeah, that's to- that's for sure his brother, mm. says, naughty. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great ending. It's pretty bad. Um... Real quick before we go anywhere else, though, do you want to tell people about the garbage day scene you watched from Silent Night, Deadly Night 2? Oh, uh, I, you know, I want to, I haven't seen Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. I have not watched it. Neither have I. I've only seen that garbage day uh, scene. I do fucking want to watch it now from seeing that scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, he kills like eight people in that, that three minute clip we watched. It's almost like that scene in American Psycho, actually, where he just goes on a rampage, shoots some cops, a bunch of stuff blows up. He also, feeds- it's like summer. I need to know the setting. I need to know more. I'm sure it's L.A. I think I saw some palm trees in the backyard. Mm. Yeah. I'm really excited for that movie. You want to hear something crazy? I never had interest in it before, but now I'm about it. Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Mm-hmm. And Silent Night, Deadly Night 3. Mm-hmm. Deal with Ricky, the brother. The brother? Yeah. How many are there? Oh, uh, four and five. Silent Night, Deadly Night 1, 2, 3, we've covered. 4 and 5 are unrelated to the previous three movies and are separate stories entirely. Oh. The, the remake has Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> oh. Okay, so we're going to watch a few of these. Sounds. We got this time. This month, yeah. Yeah, we, totally we got time. Are. All right. Uh, what is your rating of Silent Night, Deadly Night? This, this is a hard one to rate. I've seen it a few times now, and it doesn't get any better. I do not remember this movie. We've seen it a few times. Because you yeah. kept saying that, like, we've seen this before. I don't know. Well, I mean, if, if there's any indication, all that stuff where I'm like, hey, 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 pay attention. This next kill's really good. <laughs> it's because I've seen it. That would, that would make sense. But it, I don't love this movie. I don't love it either. Yeah, I think... Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to wash my brain of that holiday season bump. Because if you ask me in July... Uh, my rating will not be at all the same. I mean, around Christmas time, two out of four. Regular everyday life, this is a 1.5. Yeah, uh, I'm going to give it a two out of four it's Christmas, which I enjoy. Mm-hmm. There's some Santa stuff. They're mm-hmm. also in a toy store for mm-hmm. the majority of the film. That's a good point. With a lot of sweet retro toys. Do you think they only painted that mural on the 
windows of the the store so you didn't have to see what the exterior looked like oh probably they could they could film in there whenever they wanted yeah that's really smart yeah also that toy store makes no goddamn sense it is literally a warehouse it's just a warehouse they put up some shelving there's no price tags there's no nothing there's no sorting it looks like a thrift store more than anything else because it's industrial style shelving they're like toys (laughs) yeah is there anything else you want to talk about nope Okay, well, that's it for us this week. This concludes our holiday horror double feature. Let us know what you're watching this holiday season, which you prefer more, Christmas Evil or Silent Night, Deadly Night. And if you'd like to continue this episode, we do have a companion episode over on Patreon at patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street. We're going to play a little holiday-themed horror game, as we normally do, which you can get in in return for supporting the show. We are controlling transmission. This week's episode of Nightmare on Film Street is brought to you by Baphomet & Co. Small batch handcrafted soap inspired by horror and the macabre. This week's pick is the number six Belmont Bar, the Black Christmas Blend. A suspiciously festive soap that evokes subtle notes of pine and the delicate ripeness of ready-to-burst berries. Identifiers are split red berries, blackened pine, and dead of winter. Use code NIGHTMARE for 10% off at checkout at baphometandco.com. Made by hands, sometimes severed. And if you have a minute, please review the show, give us a five-star rating, subscribe wherever you're getting this podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and maybe you can have your review read on the show, like Bubba Wabba Dad, who says, John and Kim do a great job of making a podcast that has not only introduced me to new horror movies that I enjoy greatly, but has given me fun trivia pieces to drop on people so I can feel smarter. Good job, Bubba Wob. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we're doing the Lord's work over here. It's totally worth it. But that's it from us this week. I'm Kim. I'm John. Happy S- Christmas. Oh. Happy holidays. Stay, Stay creepy. creepy. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was all right. <laughs> One for the books. <laughs> it appears you made it out alive. Just long enough to tell the tale of the nightmare on Film Street. Ow! Help us grow the horde. Leave a review on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. Continue this week's conversation on Twitter by following at N-O-F-S podcast. And as always, more terror can be found lurking on our website, www.nightmareonfilmstreetpodcast.com. Until next week, stay creepy, fiends.